We've all probably heard the saying, beware the wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a way of saying not to trust someone simply because they look like or they ought to be someone we can trust. Sadly, whether it's through our own personal experience or the experience of others, we know the wisdom of these words to be true. As an example, um, I recently read a review of a new movie starring Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne that is based on a true story of a nurse at an East Coast hospital. That was actually East Coast Hospital. That was also the name. A, A nurse who murdered at least 29 patients that they know of. The title of the film perfectly illustrates that saying about wolf in sheep's clothing. The title of this movie is called The Good Nurse. Whether it's someone in medical care or financial planning or public safety or spiritual care, Just because the uniform they wear implies that they should be someone we can trust doesn't guarantee that they are trustworthy. This is part of what John is after in our scripture for this morning. Significantly for us, as people connected to the Christian church worldwide, John's particular warning for his Christian sisters and brothers is beware of those who cloak themselves with the title Christian, but are not Christ-like. John goes so far as to call them antichrists. But, as I was saying, John also reassures us that we don't need to be fearful of folks like this, just aware of them. John reassures us that we, we know all that we need to know to live confidently. In succinct form, John encourages us, when in doubt, follow the Jesus Christ we recognize. Uh, as we look in more depth at this scripture, it's vital that we acknowledge the background of these antichrists. A lot of preachers and Christian leaders through the years have and do use this scripture to incite fear uh, in their listeners, particularly about this character, the antichrist. They create scary scenarios of essentially a demonic monster who comes to lure unsuspecting Christians to follow him and then he destroys them and they spend the rest of eternity in hell. Simply through cultural osmosis, I knew about the Antichrist even before I became a Christian. And the understanding I had was similar to this demonic character I just sort of sketched out. To further incite fear, these uh, preachers, these Christian leaders, I should be using air quotes there, um, 
will take, uh, they will misuse verses 22 and 23. That's the gospel reading. Uh, They will use these two. Who is the liar? It is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a one is the Antichrist. They deny the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. They use this to claim something along the lines of all those sinners who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God are under the influence of the Antichrist and they're going to burn. They make it sound like good Christians should be afraid of non-Christians. But notice John's true concern. Again, verse 18. Dear children, uh, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. He only references this Antichrist character to say, don't worry about this figure who might appear. Who he says to be wary of are the folks who are already here. And that word Antichrist, John is the only one who uses it in the entire New Testament, and it's only here and uh, one time in one of his, his second letter. His, his concern is those who are already in our midst are, and around us. I like the way the message translates this. You heard about Antichrist coming makes it sound like one of the Marvel characters, an evil one. You heard about Antichrist coming. Well, they're all over the place. Antichrists everywhere you look. And notice where, from where they originated. Verse 19. They, these Antichrists, went out from us. But they didn't really belong to us. They went out from us. These are people who had been a part of John's church. The Christian community that John was the the elder for. People who at least at one point had cloaked themselves with the designation Christian. And based on this letter as a whole, most commentators agree that the most likely scenario was that John was writing about people who still called themselves Christians, but who taught that they knew more about being a Christian than John. Again, this is the Apostle John, the one who spent three years with Jesus hanging out with him, saw him after he rose from the dead, but they knew more than he did. D. Moody Smith, a professor from Duke Theological Seminary, writes this following. Taken out of context, uh, the statements of verses 22 through 23 could have in view non-Christians who deny that Jesus 
is the Christ or the Son of God. Yet, such opposition is not mentioned in 1 John. While in the entire letter and in the immediate context of this, these verses, the opposition spoken of is clearly intra-Christian opposition. These are people who have split off from John's church. And the reason that John says, be wary of them, is not because they don't believe in the Christ. Again, uh, the problem was that they didn't believe that the Christ truly became incarnated as the human being, Jesus of Nazareth. D. Moody Smith explains this well. We find that what is at issue is the fleshliness, the humanity of Jesus, which the opponents deny or do not confess. Thus, they presumably deny that Jesus was the Christ, and their denial of the Son is therefore a denial that Jesus, this man, this entirely human individual, was the Son. What they deny is not that there was a Christ or that there was a son, but that the man Jesus was truly the Christ or the son of God. There's another uh, theologian, uh, John Stott, that helps us understand even more so the specifics of what these folks were preaching and teaching and had and believed in their own minds and hearts. The Antichrists taught that Jesus was born and died a man and that the Christ, by which they meant a kind of a divine eminence, was with him only during his public ministry. It descended on him, the Christ descended on Jesus at his baptism and left him before the cross. They, not, they thus denied that Jesus was or is the Christ or the Son. Essentially, Jesus and the Christ are two separate things. But these are not people who deny that there is a Christ. But what happened when they denied that Jesus and the Christ were one and the same is it led them to live in ways that devalued human beings, that devalued humanity, that devalued the creation, the, the material stuff of this world. They didn't think that this stuff and other people mattered. They thought, they thought that what was important was the spirit and spiritual knowledge. In fact, they believed that they knew more about the Spirit than John did. Again, they believed even that they had special secret knowledge that John didn't know. And therefore, the people who had learned about Jesus Christ from John didn't know this secret spiritual knowledge either. John says in his own words, this is a pile of waste. 
John reminds them that they know everything vital. Verse 21. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. The most vital knowledge for being a Christian is knowing that the human being Jesus of Nazareth and the Christ, the anointed Son of God, are one and the same. Jesus is the Christ, the Son. And through Jesus Christ, we are brought into the communion of life shared by the triune God, Father, Mother, the Son, and Holy Spirit. That is what is vital to know. John reassures them, sure, uh, John reassures those to whom he writes, you all know what you need to know. Ironically, given that the Antichrists claimed that they had secret spiritual understanding, John reminds his readers that the reason that they know all they need to know is because of God's Holy Spirit. This is the anointing John reminds them that they have received. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. The Greek word that John uses uh, has the same root as the title Christ. I've mentioned before that that's... uh, a title in, translated to English from the Greek as the anointed one, the anointing. Those are the same roots. And John says, you have that anointing. So the 19th century Scottish pastor, Robert Candlish, draws out this imagery for us. The unction is a, a, another word for anointing. The unction or anointing is from Christ who is himself as Christ, the anointed one. The unction which he himself receives, he communicates to us, consecrating you to be holy ones, as he is the holy one. Thus, you are joint Christs with him, while they are antichrists. The anointing is with the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit is the anointing oil, the oil of gladness with which God has anointed Christ. The Holy Spirit sheds forth upon you and in you the very same presence, power, and influence of the Holy Spirit that was shed forth upon and in Jesus Christ. When he was about the business for which, as the Holy One, he was consecrated. That is what we hear Jesus pray for himself in our gospel passage, where he prays first about the apostles. I have sanctified them with the truth as I have sanctified myself. And how he not only prays for them, but he prays for all of those who will believe in him through their message, which is us. We're the ones who he's praying for. And he prays over and over again. I pray that Father, as you are in me and I am in you, 
that they will be in us and we in them. It's very psychedelic spiritual stuff, but the point is it's we have this deep, intimate communion with Jesus, the Christ, and, and with God and the Holy Spirit. And it all works together, as he says, uh, in order that the love you have for me, God has for Jesus, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. That last part of the prayer leads us back to where we started. Beware of a wolf in sheep's sheep's clothing. Beware of an antichrist who cloaks themselves in the name Christian. Jesus prays that we will be filled with, and all of his followers will be filled with the love of God. And the spirit of God, of Jesus himself, will dwell within us. And that this Holy Spirit will guide us into knowing God's love deeply within ourselves and also doing as Jesus did, sharing that love the way that Jesus Christ shared it with his apostles and all those with whom he came in contact. John writes to the followers of Jesus Christ, beware the antichrists in Christian clothing, people using the cloak of Christ who say and do things that are not of Jesus Christ, that are not from love and grace. For John, uh, the Antichrists claiming to be Christians believed that they had secret spiritual knowledge <clears throat> and that devalued, they devalued then human life and human beings. John encourages his readers that they know all they need to know to know that that is a lie. Not only have they heard the stories of what Jesus Christ said and did, they have the spirit of Jesus Christ within them. And that spirit will guide them in what is truly of Jesus Christ and what is not. And all that John wrote to his readers about at that time holds true for us today. Sadly, we have plenty of antichrists in our world. Not demonic monsters worshiping Satan. Rather, people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ who do and say the opposite of what Jesus Christ would do or say. In fact, the difference between who they claim to be as Christians and what they actually do is so opposite that some of them are actually called out within our society, called out in public. As an example of this, many, as most of you know, the governors of both Texas and Florida this week lured into buses and onto planes uh, asylum seekers from other countries with lies about what they were going to be given. They transported them, uh, the asylum seekers, to states far away and dropped them off to fend for themselves without any aid of any sort. 
men, women, and children, with no food, water, no shelter. Both of these governors claim to be Christians, to be followers of Jesus Christ. But listen to some of those the the uh, some tweets, um, and how much they point us towards John's words that we have heard in this letter. These are all national figures, only one of whom is Christian that I know of. But um, so one of them, uh, please, someone ask Ron DeSantis's pastor for a quote about this stunt to use the poor and weary for headlines. Is this what it means to be Christian? Now, again, this is, this is impacting all of us who are followers of Christ because it's, it becomes then what it is. What is it? What do other people think of who Jesus is and his followers? Another one is serious questions for devout Christians. What would Jesus think of how DeSantis and Abbott are treating these migrants? Where in the Bible can you cite support for treating the poor, hungry, and oppressed, including children, this way? If he could dictate to our immigration policies, what would Jesus say? <clears throat> this one from a fairly well-known Christian author, Diana Butler Bass. There is nothing, nothing Christian about the way the governors of Texas and Florida are treating immigrants and refugees. Nothing. It is, in fact, the opposite. A brutal violation of the dignity of human beings. I actually saw a, a tweet yesterday that called it, this is the work of the Antichrist. That was just yesterday. And this, this last one... I, this last one is, is interesting. Quick question for Christians. Who better fit your vision of Jesus? Ron DeSantis, who used 50 migrants as pawns to make a political point? Or the people of Martha's Vineyard who welcomed them, fed them, clothed them, and gave them shelter? Other than... The Diana Butler Bass. I have no idea what the faith backgrounds of those who posted these questions is. But these tweets reveal that we face the same quandaries that those to whom John, as those to whom John was writing. We have plenty of people in our world who claim to be Christian, but who do and say things that are not of Christ. And often, they try to scare or bully others into following their path by claiming it's Christian. That's even like I was saying earlier with pastors and Christian teachers that use this talk about the Antichrist and uh, to, to bully and cause fear for people. John calls us to be aware. But John does even better than that. John reminds us that we already have all that we need to know to discern what is of Jesus Christ and what is not. John reminds us that we have received the Holy Spirit, the Spirit within us that empowers us 
to have the kind of communion with God that Jesus prayed for us, that Jesus Christ himself would dwell in us and we in him. So again, John doesn't incite fear in us, simply awareness. And whenever we are in doubt, follow the Jesus Christ who we recognize. Amen.